Welcome to Meta Talks. I'm Gabby, co-founder of Meta. We exist to improve the sustainability and accessibility of innovation. In this season of our podcast, we have some amazing discussions planned to help you build and run more sustainable businesses. We will also look at ecosystem improvement, education, diversity, and transformative innovation. As always, we want all episodes to not just be interesting, but also useful and practical. My co-founder Will and I will be your hosts for this season, and we'll be joined by great guests and members of our amazing Meta team. Hello everyone, I'm Gabby, co-founder of Meta, and we are back today with episode 5 of the Meta Talks podcast. We are absolutely delighted to be chatting with Tiago Camo, Managing Director of Social Enterprise Passion for Social today. We will discuss how to create sustainable employment opportunities for people with disabilities and those with disadvantaged backgrounds, and what Passion for Social does to contribute to feelings of inclusion, health, well-being, and quality of life of their staff and communities. Operating in Scotland, Passion for Social aims to help create an equal understanding and inclusive society that celebrates diversity and puts people first, over and above profit margins. Hosting with me today, I have Dana. Hello, Dana. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be on the podcast today. My name is Dana, and I am currently Program Associate at Meta and really helping with the operations and execution of the accelerator programs we run and working with a lot of early stage startups. I am myself very passionate about design, so I'm really excited for today's conversation with Tiago. And as a brief introduction, Tiago is a Brazilian entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience in marketing and design with a Master in Development Studies from University of Glasgow. Tiago has worked for several multinationals from Motorola, Ford, GM, HP, PepsiCo, Omega, Roche, the list is endless. And he has worked across the globe in Brazil, Belgium, Canada, and now in the UK. In his career, Tiago has led four companies as an entrepreneur. And in 2018, he co-founded his fifth company, Passion for Social. And the growth has been exponential, 600% last year with 10 employees. He is passionate about diversity, social impact, and mainly helping people. And we are really, really excited to be chatting with him today. So without further ado, Tiago, can you give us a quick introduction of yourself and your work at Passion for Social? Well, my name is Tiago. As you said, I'm the Managing Director of Passion for Social. Passion for Social, most of the introduction that uh, Gabi has already done, does an amazing work about uh, including disabled people. And uh, recently, not recently, but uh, like two years ago, we started as to help disabled people, but we started amplifying or widening our range to also people that they have uh, uh, some kind of a disadvantage in the job market. So we are talking about immigrants, we are talking about uh, people with some social deprivation and other people that they can't access the job market easily. We widen these not only for disabled people, but also for these people, for these other people. And I think the work that we do is, is exactly showing the market that everyone can be talented and everyone can deliver a very good service. So what we do is pretty much delivering marketing services. So web design, graphic design, content writing, content creation, social media management, branding, 
brand storytelling and uh, our last uh, um, uh, product that we are service that we are uh, working is the website accessibility audits that we check all accessibility on websites as well and all these works we deliver with five star quality to, to the clients to show exactly to show that we can deliver the the best of our talents and a very competitive way in the market so we are here to break some paradigms and even prejudices with the employers that uh, usually they think that uh, a disabled person or any other person that they are in the disadvantage they are not as good as it, as the others they, they are used to hire and we are here just to show the opposite that we can deliver a very compatible uh, solution and uh, at the same time with uh, loads of quality and uh, the same time that the others deliver so that's a quick summary about passion for social yeah awesome and um, looking back at your career what led you to this role and what inspired you to start passion for social uh, that's a very good question Dana. i work with the third sector so with socials since i was six years old so it's it's very shocking people say six years old yeah that's the first time i volunteered by myself like uh, my mom was shocked i said i want to volunteer mom and i started in the church and then my mom wasn't a volunteer she started volunteering after me so it was a very a very different thing and then uh, when i started my career i set a goal for myself that uh, I was going to have my own charity when I was uh, 35 years old. When I was about to, uh, when I turned 35 years old, I said, that's the time. And I was already, I had already a very, a very successful career in marketing and working with all these multinationals that you mentioned. And then I said, no, that's time. I don't want these anymore. I'm sick of... Uh, of the way that the, the world works, uh, like uh, the capitalism works, that uh, people just think about the money and they forget about the social impact, the environmental impact. So I, I wanted to do something meaningful. And because of that, I started my own social enterprise in Brazil. That was a very, very visionary uh, social enterprise. And because it, it was so visionary, it was very difficult to take off. And uh, But uh, we could do uh, loads of stuff. Like, for example, we were in 10 people like in five or six months we were in 10 people all of us were working for free <laughs> so all of us were volunteers and working for uh, almost full time as all of us just for the, the company because the idea was great but uh one thing happened that is very rare like all our seven threats in the SWOT analysis happened at once all together so it was impossible to keep the the business and uh, mostly this happened because of the political and economical crisis that there was in brazil and it's still going on in brazil and uh, it was a big big punch on me because it was a dream uh, for myself i was very very invested and uh, the idea is still great there is no one has done that yet it's still great but i was very very frustrated and from the failures you learn most so that's the second company that i failed i had two other success and this and then i have this one that was a failure and another one before and from the failures we learn more most and uh, when it happened i started learning with this experience 
And when I saw the entire picture, I noticed that I had some gaps in my knowledge. And one of the gaps was exactly economics. And then I started looking for masters to study economics. I found out one course that's called development studies. That's a very rare course around the world. There is not many universities that they offer this. And then I start checking the ones. And then I, the one that I checked was in Glasgow that was more focused on economics. At the same time, I knew already at this point that Scotland was one of the most prominent and most uh, uh, pulsing uh, poles of social enterprises. Very few people know about that in the world, like uh, considering the entire world. And uh, I said, oh, that's two things at once. I'm going to be the place of the social enterprise and I'm going to get the knowledge I need to continue my social mission. And then I ended up here in Scotland in 2017, where I started my master's. Then I started looking forward to working in a social enterprise. Then I got an internship. After 20 years of experience, I got an internship in marketing. It was shocking, but that's what I could get as an immigrant. That's another thing that we can talk about as well. So <laughs> then I, I did this internship. They, in the end, this company, it was a new department or digital marketing department. It was a new one. The team was great, but the company itself, the business was career business for disabled people. And so the disabled people used to deliver things at people's places. And this company shut down, well, because of the competition, the high prices of fuel and so on, they shut down. And because our department was very new and uh, we were very good, we decided we were in for people. We decided to found uh, a new agency, which was Passion for Social. Mostly because of my experience in marketing, as I understood uh, the entire mechanics of having an agency, how the business model works. And then we started that. And I had a very, very big challenge in starting this business because I'm not disabled, at least not in the standard ways of considering that, because I always say every one of us are disabled in something. So we can do something. We are able in some things and disabled in other things, but in the general aspect of disabilities, well, in the government and the, what they say, I'm not a disabled person. So I need to learn it. And uh, the motivation about working uh, with uh, people with disabilities were exactly because of the other company that two of the founders, they, they were disabled. And the other two, not like myself and the other person. But... Uh, Funnily enough, like uh, myself, as an immigrant, I had loads of disadvantages in the UK market. And my colleague as well, she's an Indian descendant. She's a Scottish, but she's an Indian descendant. She also has some problems with uh, races and uh, prejudice and so on. And being a woman as well. So she has like uh, all the intersectionalities in Scotland. So diversity uh, was the core of our business right at the first day so we started this business and then the entire idea was to create a business model that we could be compatible in the market because we're uh, working with people with disabilities is a different way of working for those that don't have disabilities because some of them they can't work full-time they must work flexible hours most of them they don't have the mobility when you talk about mobility, they can't go to an office. So we start the business as a remote and flexible business much before COVID. 
that's what motivated even more to create the, the entire model and show people that we can work with people with disabilities anywhere in the world, any business. And we created a business model to, to have the continuity of the talents and the delivering and everything else being seamless to the client. And the client says, wow, that's amazing. That's what you're delivering. It's amazing. And in the end, we want to export or introduce this business model to other companies that they can copy us to also employ people with disabilities at first. And of course, diversity at the second stage. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. What an exciting journey. And also, thank you for sharing those, I mean, how you call them failures. But I think it's probably been super important for your journey to have those lessons and have those experiences to get you to the point where you're at. So thanks for the transparency. <laughs> so you've covered quite a lot here. Let me maybe touch on one thing in particular. The fact that, you know, often when we think about, you know, our mission and, and trying to be inclusive, trying to make sure we attract a diverse work workforce and really, really work hard on this company culture internally, it often feels like it's not the priority to some businesses out there. If you think of bigger businesses, if you think of businesses that, you know, are very much profit driven rather than mission driven. And I mean, you don't have to sell this to me. I am very much a fan of, of your mission and, and how you have built Passion for Social. And I truly believe that, you know, diversity is what every company needs to be successful. And on your Twitter, promise we're not stalkers, but we saw on your Twitter, there is a quote that says, companies that are inclusive are 1.7 times more innovative, which I thought is a really, really nice stat and something that, you know, a lot more people should potentially be aware of. How do you think can we increase awareness of this and the fact that, you know, if you are mission driven, if you try to be inclusive and do the work on that front, that doesn't mean that your profit will suffer? How do you normally, you know, when you speak to your clients or I know you're a panelist and speak on this topic regularly, any insights you can share with us? So you were talking about that all companies, they are 1.7 times more innovative. But there are some other numbers around this that they are also important. There are numbers on profitability. So they say that uh, when you have a diverse team, you get from 15 to 30% more profitable in your company. And uh, when you are diverse, your climate, like organizational climate, improves from 30 to 50%. So it's not only when you bring diversity, it's not only about being just innovative, but uh, you are increasing your profit, you're also increasing the, the satisfaction of your team to be working with you. Because uh, people say, oh, but uh, yeah, diverse people, diversity, I'm going to hire uh, a disabled person, I'm going to do, but they think in a way that's in a, in a poor way, in a, even sometimes pejorative way, that, uh, okay, I'm doing a favor for them. It's not the point. The point is that you bring someone that's qualified for the position you are having. Uh, at Passion for Social, we do that. We only hire people that they're qualified for the job. We don't hire them just to make charity and uh, to say, okay, after all, we are a business. We are a social business, but we are a business. We have to make money. We have to be financially sustainable. So we have to make money and uh, we need good people to do that. So we work with disabled people that they are good at what they do. Of course, there are disabled people that they are not good at what they do. Of course, there is. 
as like able people in between codes. <laughs> they are also bad in what they do. I know loads of bad professionals as I know some good professionals. This happens the same thing in any sort of diversity. When I think about bringing this to, to a company, I would say that the first step to make it more accessible is exactly talking about this. You have to create awareness. When you travel to some place, you know new people, you feel energized. That's what happens every day in a company that you have different perspectives. You always feel energized. Diana said that uh, she loves design. And I, I'm going to tell her one thing. About a month ago, more or less, I have two graphic designers in the team. And one of them, she's autistic. And then we were discussing an, an artwork. And then she was asking some things. And for me, it was very obvious that it was something like that. So I, and I'm very technical after 20 years of experience. I'm very technical in, in some things. So I started explaining to her, she's, I can see it this way. Then I stop and then say, okay, explain how you see it. Then she started explaining visually what, how she sees what I was doing. And it was like a breakthrough. Like, wow, I've been 20 years working. I've never came across that. And it must have happened loads and loads of times because I don't have access to everyone. And people like her, she sees a thing in a way that probably I would never see it. And loads of people must see this the same way that she does. It's not like technically acceptable in the design, in the white people design, white male design that we learned. We have to be open to this because we are creating more inclusivity. And by creating this, you're improving your audience. And that's where the diverse properties come from. You're improving your accessibility, you're improving your inclusiveness. And that's a new audience that you never tackled before. These type of things, they help to, to create a more vibrant environment in your company. Uh, people get happier in going to work because they are always learning something. I don't know a person in the world that doesn't like to learn. I don't know. Everyone loves learning. Even if they, are, they don't like university, they don't like school, but they love learning. Maybe they don't like the methods but they love learning. If they learn something new, they are going to be energized about that. When you are in a diverse environment, you can learn all the time. So you get energized. By being energized, you produce better. By producing better, you get more profits. By getting more profits, you get more innovative. It's a, a sustainable cycle that we get. So talking about these, uh, bringing this topic to, to the companies, to, to your colleagues, Trying to create a culture of diversity in your company, naturally, your company will be able to recruit diverse people. Because if you're not diverse, you just want to tick boxes. Look, I accept, uh, accept uh, CVs from all sorts of people, or all sorts. Of, there are some terms that people use. I, I just get crazy about that. Sorry for my English sometimes. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think that uh, you're only going to get some diversity in your company if you start a culture of diversity. Because if you uh, say, okay, I, I want to recruit uh, black people, I want to recruit Indian people, I want to recruit immigrants, I want to recruit disabled people. Yes, you can do that, but uh, it's not sustainable. Because if you are not doing this for the right values, for the right reasons, it's not sustainable. You can even hire it. 
hire this person, hire the for for his, uh, uh, a role. But uh, it's not sustainable with the teammates. It's not sustainable within the company. Like uh, the person is going to feel excluded anyways. So talk about that. Try to review your own values. Try to review your own concepts. And by doing this, you're getting more open about everything else. Then you are ready to give this the next step, which is bringing a real diverse diversity to your company. Yeah, that's some amazing points. And I love what you said around, you know, it's not just about trying to get, you know, tick some boxes, get some, get some people in that fulfill some criteria that you've set in a meeting where you've decided you wanted to be more diverse <laughs> because yeah, you're also risking putting people in, you know, not safe spaces where they, like you say, won't not just feel comfortable, but you know, it might actually be a really, really horrible place to work. And that's the last thing um, you would want to have happening. I think more generally, I mean, you've touched on this a few times around diversity in a broader sense and that there's so many ways of looking at it. And I love that as well. And I think one thing that I've noticed and I've read some research, I can't remember where from, around the fact that you've essentially got two types of diversity. You've got, what's it called, like inherent diversity. So things that you are born with, you know, qualities or traits that you're born with. And then you've also got acquired diversity, which could be things that you have acquired you know, from experience, someone that's been, that travels a lot, someone that, you know, is open to different cultures and making sure to cultivate both of those in the company, I think can help to really, really create that culture you're talking about, where everyone will be more energized and will be happy to look at things in a different way and tackle challenges in a different way. Yeah, it's really, really exciting, the work you're doing. You touched on you know, what companies or generally individuals can do to start out, you know, just, you know, having those conversations, starting to build a culture that is, you know, safe and productive for a more diverse workforce. In your kind of, and it's now been very, very many years in the space, you know, have you seen or experienced companies that have been doing this? Can you give any examples of like almost good practice of, you know, those are some really, really good initiatives and those are some inspiring things that others could, you know, copy or be inspired by? That's a very good question, Gabi. I can't remember, to be honest, a, a company that really, really, really was diverse in their core. And uh, most of my experience, I was always talking to companies that the directors and the, the managers, they are all white and male. I'm not talking also about Brazil. So it's a, it's a reality all over the world uh, when we think about uh, uh, where the money is. So that's the reality. So uh, when we talk about really diversity, the only example I can give you is Passion for Social because I'm sure we are 100% diverse. 100% because everyone has a, a background that's not, it's completely different from anyone else. When you start thinking about some companies that they foster some, well, they push the agenda. There are some companies in Brazil that I know, they are very good in bringing different people to teams. And uh, usually these companies that I know, they are more uh, cosmetic centric, so beauty things. They have loads of women and they have all sorts of social classes. So they have all sorts of uh, 
ethnicities. So they really, uh, and even in Brazil, it's a big, it's a continental country. So even uh, different states, uh, like the people from different states in Brazil, which is, is very diverse. So they, they foster that too, because they want to reach everyone. They really want to reach everyone. I understand that's not their primary mission to be social because they are focusing more on the money, on the results. But uh, it's still valid because uh, when, once you do that, it's amazing. Of course, there's loads and loads of multinationals that they are focusing on getting a more inclusive workforce. But it's still hard. I would say that's intrinsic in our culture, especially in the Western culture. I would say even in the culture all over the world, because if you think about Japan, China, it's very exclusive as well. So Middle East, they are very exclusive somehow. I would say that's a, a behavior that we have to relearn to be more, more diverse. We, like not long ago, we had wars. Not long ago, we have uh, tribes and tribes killing each other. So we have to be also patient uh, somehow and we have to start somewhere. So I can't give you an uh, answer short. I can give you an example of a company that I say, wow, that's a company that's real, really doing something very good in the practice. Uh, apart from passion for social, sorry for that. <laughs> no, 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 sorry. It just, you know, it makes quite obvious that there's still quite a lot of work to be done, right? So I think that's a really good point. That's exactly that. There's a lot of work to, to do. I have to start somewhere. I, I think it became part of my social mission to fight for diversity and against the prejudice, against the discrimination, because it wasn't in my agenda before. But once I started noticing and I, I felt many things that uh, disabled people feel in here in the UK, the things that I didn't feel, Brazil, for example, then it kind of woke me up to start doing something. So it, it became a passion to change. It became uh, something that's meaningful. And uh, when I started studying more about it, I said, like, wow, there's so much to do. There's so much to do. And then I started remembering cases that happened to me in Brazil of discrimination and prejudice uh, in there that I, I said, well, I never gave too much attention to that because I just treated it like isolated case or a very random one, which is very common to other people. And uh, it wasn't to me, but uh, it, was, it is common to other people. And then I said, oh, maybe I should take this as, a, as part of my mission and my social mission. That's super interesting. And I feel like you touched on a lot of things around the issue, the current issue around diversity and inclusion is that the TikTok exercise, the fact that some people can be advocates for diversity and inclusion, but then they see that oh, these are individual cases, there's not a larger issue at stake. And so if we zoom out a little and look at going back to when we talked about company mission and value, your website mentioned a lot of cycle of sustainability and sociability and focusing very much on well-being, inclusivity, quality of life, diversity, accessibility. And when you're working with your clients or when you're potentially hiring for your team, how do you make sure that these attributes shine front and center at the forefront of the company and ensure that your client understands where you stand and make sure that they are on board with you? around sustainability, sociability, diversity, and inclusion? Wow. Yeah, I, I would say that we have some folds to, to tackle. <laughs> 
I would say like most of the time our clients, they, they don't come to us because we are social. They come to us because they think that we are cheaper. And it's not the case. And then when, when we say that uh, we charge a fair price and uh, we have the mission and so on, they start quoting with other companies. And when they start quoting with other companies, they say, well, it's more or less the same price. And then I have the cherry on top of the cake, which is a company that is social as well. So I would summarize that most clients come because of the cherry, but it turns to change along the way. It changes because we start saying what is happening. They start uh, living what is happening. So they know that our people, our disabled people and other people that we have, they are doing a very good work. And when they realize it, that the work is being done very greatly, they say, wow, that's something I can support. So they, we start like a showing in real experience that they are capable, they can do it. And then uh, the part of the quality of life and well-being, it's, more, it's much more intrinsic in our internally. So the client can't see that, but uh, the client understands that they are creating an impact by working with us. They understand that, but they stop in there. They don't go further or they don't go deeper on the topic. They just say, okay, I'm creating impact. I'm, I'm hiring someone that uh, work with disabled people and they are delivering an amazing job. And that's great because it's a very good value for money for me. And then I keep going with them. That's it. That's economics 101. And, but when you talk about the well-being and the quality of life, we are talking about our people, our beneficiaries, because our employees are our beneficiaries as well. So what we, we really think about is creating a very good place to work. Although they work from their homes, we tend to have the inclusion. So that was a challenge when we set up the company. We set up the company to say, okay, everyone is going to work from home in their own times and their own spaces in their own way. How we can include all those people having this uh, like a, a part company, like a, a company where all the employees are somewhere in Scotland in this case, and probably in the future in the world. It's crazy and difficult. And then we start thinking about that. We were very focused about the processes. So we create very good processes to, to bind all the tasks from everyone for two reasons. One, to keep everyone informed and two, to guarantee the continuity of every work. By creating the process, we start cutting some steps of uh, communications that they are the tiring steps. What are you doing? What do you think? So that pressure starts ending because it's not someone telling you off or saying you have to do it, you have to do that. That's the machine saying it. That's the, the software reminding the person that they have that task. Like, so we guarantee the process to make the machine telling the people to have their tasks. So you remove that uh, annoying person to tell you off, to say, look, you have to deliver this, you have to deliver that. So once we create this process, every employee, they know about this process. So there is a very good way of inducting all the employees to understand the process, to understand how the company works, 
So we they know the cards they have to play. And it makes much easier when they understand the cards they need to play. So you can, by doing this, we manage expectations. And by managing expectations, we manage mental health. And by managing mental health, we create a better environment. And then we start creating some other tools to make it even better. So, for example, we, we have group discussions every week for every department. So the social media team, they meet every Monday. The design team, every Monday as well. The web development team, they meet every Wednesday. So we have this, this type of, uh, of inclusion, like to talk to each other, even virtually in a, in a Zoom or we use Meet, uh, usually. In a Google Meet session, we are talking together, discussing projects, discussing strategies and things, and make this very easily. The other way that we use the technology we have we use uh, Slack, so that's the messaging uh, tool that we are always putting things, and people feel so comfortable to do that and make suggestions because th that's the one part of the culture we we give the autonomy to everyone, regardless of their juniority or seniority level. They have a voice. Everyone has a voice. Everyone can tell something. Sometimes you will find like people they they are not in their sheets. They are commenting in the group because they saw something on social media and they wanted to share. And because of that, that we everyone works in their own time. So everyone respects each other, respects their space, respects the way they are used to work. So we try to adapt all the time. So that's one part of the culture. And then when we try to adapt, it means everyone tries to adapt to everyone. It's not like a, I am trying to adapt to the disabled people. It's not that. Like the disabled people also try to adapt to me, try to adapt to the other disabled that has a different disability. So everyone is very patient and open to work different ways, to work differently. So when we think about that, the adaptability is one of the things that also guarantees the quality of life, always guarantees the well-being. And uh, for example, one of our designers, she loves to work in like a in the middle of the morning or the night, I don't know, from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., for example, or 4 a.m. to 8 a.m., or 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. She loves it. And that's fine, as long as she gets the job, she gets what she needs to do. So that's where the processes are. So the person that can get there most when they can. Even ourselves, that most of us, like we, we came from a culture of nine to five, and then when we realize that we are not 9 to 5 anymore, you say, wow, I can just uh, drop everything after this podcast and go for a run. That's fine. You know, like it's something that we can do it. Like once we drop it and then when you come back from the run, you are energized, you are feeling great, then you can produce better. Amazing. So she works from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. because she produced better at that time. And that's the time she loves it. So uh, once we start giving this all this freedom, all this freedom to the to our people, everything comes together: well-being, quality of life, inclusion, because they feel included. Because it's it's not just them that they are doing this; it's a, an entire team of ten people doing this. They belong to some to a place. They belong to a group. So 
bringing this, you start the cycle that you have seen, the, the cycle of sociability and sustainability is exactly that. So once we do this with our people, we send this to the clients and then the message to the client, the clients understand limited way, but they understand it and they get back to us closing the cycle and the loop. Just want to slightly switch gears and talk about, do you have any examples of any customer success stories so far? It'd be great to put some meat onto the bone and have some context around any things that really stood out to you during your um, work with different customers or anything that particularly left an impact within the company? Well, success stories, we have plenty. Since our inception, we started with over 40 clients already. So it's, we have some very good things. Most of our clients, they are from the third sector. And because of that, they, we can have uh, a continued impact, if I can say that. So we have an in- indirect impact in society, not only with our people, but also how, what we are delivering. We can highlight some, some uh, projects. For example, we have done a website for the children's services of the NHS Lothian. They were uh, launching a new hospital in Edinburgh last year. It was around, uh, it was March last year. And they didn't have a website. Like all, everyone that needed information about children, like a children disease, any sort of things that we talk about a hospital, we couldn't find anything in the internet, like at least not in the NHS websites. And they said, we have so much content, we have so many things to do, and we don't have a website. And we are going to have a new hospital, a very brand new hospital with very fancy design, with fancy things that are going to provide the best service for the children, and we need a website. When I heard that, we pitched for the, the project, we won the pitch, and I, I offered them uh, also a brand storytelling project. This brand storytelling project means it's not like they are going to rebuild the NHS branding, but the children's services branding. So one of the things that they had, like every person, it happens in all companies and all uh, groups, like every person has a different, has a different way to tell stories. So they hear a story from one way and they deliver in another way. And there starts the problems because someone can talk apples and the other are talking bananas already. And uh, then it makes like a a very big mixed uh, fruit salad. And then no one talks the same language. So when we do this type of workshops, we try to condense all the information to be minimal in a sense that everyone can uh, replicate the information in the right way. So I suggest this and from these, we would develop the website. And we had, if I'm not mistaken, three or four sessions with uh, professionals from the hospital and from branding, marketing, and so on. And uh, over 30 people, I guess. And this, uh, this project, like uh, we could condense the story in six words. And these six words, they were common for everyone. So everyone, when they are going to tell the story, they think about their six words. So they, it's, they are going to tell a different story, but it's, there is a spine. So they are going to be in the same, on the same page. Everyone is going to be on the same page. And by doing that, we could understand the needs of the website. And understand these needs of the website, 
we could create some ideas for the website and then we submitted all these ideas to the audience so children we start talking to children focus groups children and children what do you think about the website what do you think that should be in the, on the website these these and that showing showing some sketches show drafts and things well they all approved it was very good like our brief was good and uh, our story was good so we could go on and uh, this website uh, that uh, they were expecting to have around 30,000 people in one year to access the website they got 30,000 people in four months wow that's amazing yeah and when you think about that like uh, when you see this the stats the analytics a website constantly used by people constantly like uh, you see over five five thousand accesses per month in this website there's a hospital website which is a lot when you consider a hospital it's not like we are not talking about a, a beer website or, or some or any other product website that they have loads of accesses because people are interested in the product no one wants to go to the hospital but uh, because this uh, information is so well designed, so well delivered, people keep going there. That's one of the examples. So we are we impact indirectly at least 50,000 people in the Lothian region in, the, in Scotland. So we have some other examples like this that, uh, for example, Just Enterprise is a social enterprise that they help other social enterprises. And they, they have so many courses and programs that they help social enterprises and social entrepreneurs to go above and beyond their, their businesses. Uh, and we built the, the website thinking strategically. So the way that we, we thought the website and the way that we delivered the website, in the time scale that we delivered the website, we started helping loads and loads of other social enterprises. So our uh, the, the work that we do is always uh, there's always a domino effect that we do in a good way, and deliver in a good way. Think about the quality, think about the impact, and then uh, it just comes the the results just start coming or keep coming uh, in the in the way that we we desired or and designed it. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I've got a few more I would want to ask, but we are unfortunately out of time. So we will wrap it here. We obviously, I mean, for our listeners at home or wherever they are at the point of listening, <laughs> they would potentially want to find out more about Passion for Social and work you do. What's the best way to get in touch with you? I would say that uh, LinkedIn is the best way to get in touch with me. So Thiago Carmo, Thiago.carmo. Probably in Scotland, that's the, one of the only me, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> we will link to it as well. Yes, we and, well. Uh, and uh, well, Passion for Social, if you get the passionforsocial.com, the website, by the way, we are going to release the new website uh, by this month. You can find our, our social media there, our social media handles there. So just go there and... Uh, Follow us on, on social media, uh, whatever social media you go, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And uh, follow us. We, have, we always deliver loads of information to the, to the audience, uh, especially in regarding to diversity, to, in regarding uh, disabilities and new things, things that can improve society somehow. And uh, please follow us. Amazing. Yes. And as always, we don't want to 
stop this conversation just here. We love to discuss about these kind of things outside of the podcast as well. So do get in touch, comment on our posts. And thank you so much, Tiago. It was lovely to have you. And thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you so much, Gabi and Dana. Uh, thank you, the audience. I uh, hope that you have enjoyed. Please be in touch if you have any questions. We are very open to talk more things. And uh, just one last thing that I forgot to say. We are going to release a series of ebooks very, very soon that we are going to release on, on LinkedIn. So just watch out what we are going to do. There will be some ebooks on diversity, some ebooks on ableism. Uh, who doesn't know what ableism is? Go check on Google. It's a thing that we are going to release. So be tuned. <laughs>